Hi, everyone. It's Robert Poole. Welcome back to the Growing Your B2B Small Business Podcast. Today, I want to talk about the power of scope in your business. And I'm not talking about the mouthwash. Let's get started. You have a B2B small business. Are you frustrated with the lack of resources to grow in B2B? So where do we go to learn how to grow our B2B small business? Should we focus on traditional offline methods, online techniques, or both? How do we bring in more clients and revenue and yet keep our sanity? I'm Robert Poole. Join me as I share two decades of B2B growth experience, learn new techniques, and combine both offline and online growth strategies to grow my own business. If you're listening to this podcast, you're part of an elite group of achievers who aren't willing to settle for just a nine-to-five job. You're one of the heroes in our society, and you should be proud of it. Welcome to the tribe, and welcome home. Hey, everyone. I hope you're having an awesome day today. In the last episode, we talked about the importance of clearly defining your ideal customers and how to find them long before you start selling to them. In this episode, I wanted to talk to you about the concept of scope in your business. You know, generally, when you say scope in a B2B sense, uh, we're talking about contracts and what they cover and that sort of thing. And that's true. And, you know, it doesn't sound real interesting as a topic, but there really is much more to it than that. You know, it can make huge changes in your business, positively or negatively. So I think it's worth our time to take a closer look. So, you know, a classic example of scope and uh, how it can go wrong for you Years ago, prior to uh, our starting uh, the, our current company, Sales Double, this had to be 1998-ish, somewhere around there, We, uh, my partner and I had uh, started a website design company, which at that time, most businesses didn't have websites. And it was we were still trying to sell a concept, which was a different topic. But, um, you know, we, we found several clients and there were a lot of small businesses, some retail and that sort of thing. And I, I just very distinctly remember doing a um, website for a Little old lady that owned a, I think, it was, I guess it would be a fabric store, um, Gigi's Fabrics in Scottsdale. And uh, I'm not even, not even sure if she's still around. Uh, you know, this is 22 plus years ago, probably. But, you know, we had our typical, um, you know, we were just starting out. So we had a very small, you know, one page contract sales form type of thing, which was a very little specifics on it and basically said, you know, your website's going to cost you. I, I have no idea what it was then back then, a thousand dollars, let's say. And, you know, um, and we're going to give you a, a website with X number of pages and blah, blah, blah. And that's about all it said. And that little project turned into a months long thing going back and forth with old Gigi because, you know, of things like, you know, she had to have her picture on the homepage and she kept wanting it bigger and bigger and bigger, even though we told her it was, you know, not the best picture to use on there, but et cetera. But, um, but, you know, it, it was just this thing dragged out forever. And, you know, we certainly didn't make any money on it on an hourly basis uh, afterwards. And again, it was because of the, you know, the contract that we had or lack of a contract that we had set up. You know, and we did the, the same thing with other businesses. There was a candle company that we had, you know, endless tweaks on that just took forever, you know. Um, and it was sort of the, the first introduction uh, in my mind to what can go wrong, you know, from a, a scope standpoint in contracts, you know. Um, we, you know, even when we started our current company, one of the reasons we started is because we had hired two different telemarketing companies, again, signed whatever they sent us. And I don't remember what, what it was, but, you know, the the end product was absolutely horrible. And, you know, the it cost us like six grand. And I think they they only provided us with three or four leads with almost no information. And they were just names and a number, you know, and uh, just, you know, we had a whole different perception of what we were supposed to get out of the deal than they did clearly. Uh, and so it was another introduction to us, you know, about that, that concept. But, you know, maybe I should just take a step back a minute and 
you know, scope is really, you know, we talk about it and, you know, it's a fancy word, but really all that means is expectations and, and maybe clarity. And scope affects all parts of your business, uh, not just your contracts, but, you know, your relationships with your customers, relationships with the vendors, contractors, and even your own internal team. You know, if we have the right mentality in our business and we're doing everything we can to serve our customers and help them solve their problems, without clearly defined rules, though, and parameters, expectations, we can easily get ourselves in a bind where we don't deliver what the customer expects and then they go out and badmouth us or worse. You know, it, I mean, it goes the other way, too. If the customers are not given specific expectations as to their responsibilities, you're going to find yourself upset with them and, you know, even will probably have a hard time serving them when you feel taken advantage of. It's just human nature. So, you know, I mean, I shouldn't have to mention this, but, you know, I've been such a dummy on this before that, you know, you have to be very careful in your contracts from a monetary standpoint. It seems obvious, but, you know, over the years, we've tweaked our client contracts and don't have a lot of problems with them. Uh, We certainly did when we got started, as I mentioned. We ended up doing a lot of things far outside of our perception as to what we had promised the client and cost us quite a bit of money and time, you know, and so obviously you should get a lawyer to review any kind of a contract you're using for loopholes or issues like that. you know, and as a total side note, um, you know, for many years, I, I didn't see the need for having a, a company lawyers. We never really got into any serious disputes. And, you know, I mean, a decent lawyer will cost you, you know, probably $300 an hour plus, you know, and they, of course, like to bill for every possible minute. But, you know, even in, in the last few years in particular, we've had some situations where the lawyer we now use as our company attorney has literally saved us several th- hundred thousand dollars uh, just in negotiating and contract work. And, you know, that's not an exaggeration. So, you know, even if you don't have a need for an attorney at the moment, always be on the lookout for a referral or someone you can come in contact with is you're probably going to need them at some point in your business. Anyway, that was a sidetrack, but uh, back to scope, you know, the way I look at it, uh, and again, you know, I really define scope more, I think a better word for it is expectations. Uh, I think there are really three main areas that scope has impact on our businesses. You know, the most obvious and most common term, you know, contracts with their customers. That's the obvious one. You know, their expectations and, you know, the clarity of what you're going to do, what they're going to do, that sort of thing. Um, so I think you have to take a step back and think about what a contract is. And it's, it's a helpful. Um, sometimes it's when you're defining something, it's easy to define what it's not. And that, that makes it clearer. So, you know, uh, I like uh, Myron Golden, listen to him a lot. And, you know, so I'm kind of paraphrasing this, but um, I thought this was fascinating, you know. Um, he talked about the difference between a contract and a covenant. You know, the word covenant comes from ancient times and, you know, two people would come together, they'd bring each other a goat or a sheep or uh, whatever, uh, something that was of value to them, um, some kind of, you know, livestock. Then they'd stand face to face, then slaughter the animals right there and literally cut them up to pieces. You know, I mean, I'm an animal lover, so it sounds horrible, but, you know, times are different 5,000 years ago. Anyway, you know, so they'd walk around the dead animals in a circle in opposite directions. And then when they meet, they would each take a knife, cut their palm and basically shake hands with the idea of it being a blood oath. The point of the animals being slaughtered is in such a horrific manner was that they're each saying, you know, I pledge myself, my life, all that I have to protect you, honor you and do everything I can possibly do to help you. And if I don't do uh, what I said, uh, may what happened to these animals happen to me. I mean, it's a pretty brutal illustration, but, you know, pretty serious. But um, anyway, the point of all this is that a covenant is really an agreement that is based upon mutual trust and dedication to each other, which is a really good contrast because a contract is actually the opposite. You know, it's based upon mutual distrust of each other. So basically, it means if I don't do what, you know, 
if you don't do what you say you're going to do, I can take you to court and have the government force you to do what you promised. You know, it's a totally different situation. And so what this means is, you know, since our contracts with our customers and others are based upon mutual distrust, you know, you have to assume that the other party is not necessarily trustworthy and they have to have, you know, you have to have very specific clarity in there. And that sounds bad, but it's reality. You know, like I said, once we ironed out our contracts and the sales process to define expectations with our clients, we've never really had a problem. However, it's still important to have that clarity in there because, you know, just one lawsuit can take all your hard work and flush it by putting you out of business. It's just just a fact of life, unfortunately, in our modern society. You know, and so, you know, this may all seem obvious to you and, and hopefully you've got a good attorney who can review your documents. But I found even a good attorney is not always going to know all the business angles and what the potential problems could be. So you really want to spend some time on this and work with them. There's another aspect to the contract with your clients. It's not necessarily having a rock solid contract, although that's important, as I talked about, but it's the broader expectations your customers have from you and what you have of them. You know, one of the reasons we don't get into too many contract disputes is that it's just bad business. I mean, if somebody violates the terms of their contract and doesn't pay us or whatever, depending on the amount, we just may let it go. You know, so you have to kind of balance the financial losses you'll take in any situation uh, like that versus the damage it can do to your reputation. You know, by finding somebody over a relatively small amount of money, you're really shooting yourself in the foot. Even if you're totally in the right and you win the dispute on, you know, because the contract terms are clear, you may be better off to let it go. You know, money is almost always better than ego. And when you for- force uh, compliance and fight over a contract, you can almost guarantee that person will do everything they can to badmouth you. And, you know, especially if they're out money, it gives them an excuse and the fuel to do this. However, if you just let it go, they don't have, you know, much to go on to post on social media or review sites. And, you know, they can complain and say this company treated me unfairly. But, you know, and, you know, some people may listen, but, you know, if they can say, yeah, this company stole a thousand dollars from me, you know, which is fact, because in their mind anyway, um, and they get others paying a lot more attention to it to their comments and possibly giving them more credence. OK, so enough on that. But I think that's the most common thing we think of with scope. But there are other areas in our business that it affects. One we typically don't think about when we use the word scope is our uh, expectations, our relationships with our internal team, our employees and even uh, contractors who work for us. You know, and I think they should all be treated similarly in this category when it comes to scope and expectations. I mean, it sounds a little funny to talk about scope in, in reference to employees, but because scope really means expectations, it's actually critically important. You know, I can't tell you how many times over the years we've hired people, we thought they were going to do a great job, and then we check in on their work and they're going off on a completely different rabbit trail than what we intended them to do. You know, and if if you find yourself in this situation, you know, because you're team is not maybe not turning out the results uh, the way you'd expect, uh, you can really do two things, uh, one of which is not very effective. And that that thing is not very effective, in my opinion, is, you know, you can get ticked off at them and scream and yell. And, you know, I'm sure we've, we've all had bosses like that or at least seen them. And getting upset with an employee because they didn't meet your expectations of what they should be doing may make you feel good, but it's, you know, um, usually not their fault. I mean, yes, sometimes you accidentally hired a, a deadbeat or a space cadet that's completely incompetent, but you know, and the only solution is to replace them. But usually that's not the case. The uh, other option is to really take the responsibility for the quality of the work they've done and realize that their failure to do what you thought they were going to do is actually your fault as the leader. You know, we talked about this concept a little while back in an episode um, called, uh, was it, uh, no excuse, sir. You know, I mean, if a team member has worked hard, but not done as you expected, it means one thing you haven't clarified scope and expectations for their job. 
Yes, it means that business owners, as leaders, we need to take responsibility for this because it is our responsibility. So in practical terms, what does this mean? I mean, this means that you, whenever you hire a new employee or whenever you have dealings with your existing team, it's critical that you be very specific about what outcomes you expect from them. This sounds obvious, but sometimes it's, you know, it's really easy to just to throw people into a position with minimal training and kind of the sink or swim model. And, you know, this is a, a bigger problem when you have a relatively small tr- team. I mean, if you only have five employees, you, you may not have a long drawn out onboarding training process like a Fortune 500 company would, but, and that's okay. Um, you just need to make sure that, you know, things like uh, scope and expectations are clear up front. You know, as you probably know, it's enormously costly and time consuming to hire and keep good employees. So as a small business owners, you know, we can't afford to have any ambiguity in our employees' minds or our own as to what their responsibilities are. And this is really hard to do sometimes as we tend to want to just jump people right in and get them to produce quickly because we can't afford them to be sitting there for too long. And, you know, this is something I still struggle with today and I have to, you know, uh, consciously slow myself down to make sure that I'm doing everything right. And um, because it's just in the long run, it's just way too expensive and frustrating to get it wrong. So, you know, your scope and expectations with your employees and your internal team, your contractors and everything is probably the second um, area. The third I would categorize, again, it's about relationships with your customers. And, you know, I'm not talking about, again, the concept of contracts that we talked about, but, um, you know, when you're contracts are more about clarifying specific actions and financial aspects of a deal. But there's there's something beyond that. Contracts, as we talked about, are, you know, sort of a CYA, you know, type of thing for each party, you know, due to the natural distrust that each of us have. And it's very detailed usually. But beyond that uh, is expectations that each party has in their mind of their own responsibilities in the relationship. And that's a whole different deal. The aspect of scope is about keeping any kind of misunderstandings from becoming actual legal disputes based upon the contract when they start getting nitty and gritty. And once you've gotten to that level, things are pretty bad. So we really need to focus on preventing that if all possible. I mean, have you ever been in a situation where you had an understanding of what you were buying, but then later found out about the, you know, quote, fine print? You know, this is an example of what I'm talking about. If in the fine print, the other party was able to keep your money for some reason because you didn't cancel in the correct manner or whatever, you know, how'd that make you feel? I mean, I know there, I've sat there plenty of times with a perception of things only to read the fine print, realizing that the other party was legally entitled to do, entitled to do whatever they wanted. Um, you know, and you may have to accept this decision because you realize they've got the legal basis to do it. But does that make you feel okay? No, it feels like you got scammed. So it kind of goes back to the whether you rather be right or rich, you know, type of thing. Meaning if you hold the other party to the letter of the contract, are they going to walk away feeling good about things and refer their friends to you? Most likely not. And they're leaving dead bodies is a bad business. You know, your reputation is far more important than any one customer or transaction. So, yes, you do need a good contract to cover you with customers. Uh, however, you also need to exercise that contract with wisdom. You know, at our company, we spend a lot of time initially with clients and going over scope, uh, i.e. expectations. And we, yes, we do have a good contract and would most likely prevail in a dispute. But, you know, it's legally uh, being right and doing the right thing in business uh, for the business is sometimes not the same thing. You know, this concept took me many years to understand when I was younger and a bit of a hothead and, you know, much more impatient. You know, I felt that people violating the terms of the contract was, you know, some kind of personal insult. And, you know, we didn't really focus on serving the customer and being flexible and, and really looking at the, the long run and protecting our reputation as a company. You know, unfortunately, we did leave a lot of dead bodies. And, you know, yes, that, that probably kept more money for us in the short term. But in the long run, I really think it cost us. 
So when looking, working with your customers, go beyond whatever the contract says and make sure they understand the concepts are crystal clear before you, uh, as far as what you're going to do for them and what you expect of them. You know, it's not going to get rid of all disputes, but it sure makes them far less likely to become a problem. So I hope you're getting an idea and understanding the power of scope in your business. You know, again, it doesn't sound very exciting, but it can really make your business life very stressful or can take the stress off knowing that you're nipping uh, problems in the bud. But you have to actually think about it and do some work ahead of time. It's not that hard again, but if you don't do it, it eventually will come back to bite you. Understanding this concept and how powerful it is in different areas of my business has been a process. And I've clearly had it affect our business negatively when I didn't uh, address it. But it's also eased a lot of stress along the way when I started to pay attention to it. So I'd suggest you give it some thought as well. That's all I have today. And I hope you've got some value out of this. I'll talk to you in the next episode. Thanks for listening today. I hope you learned something you can implement right away. I know your time is valuable and it's really an honor to serve you. Please subscribe and rate the show on iTunes and give me your honest feedback and what future subjects would help you out the most. Now, I've also put together a short ebook on some of the top lessons I've learned in 20 years uh, in a B2B business. You can download a free copy at growyourb2bcompany.com. That's growyourb2bcompany.com.